0: Now I'm pulled into the, the uh, ache in my thigh, so my teaching's very deep tonight uh, already. The reason I, uh, I offered the, inst- maybe n- none of you noticed, the tendency is to space out anyway, but I, I introduced <laughs> in the settling in tonight the instructions on the, on the sky-like nature of the mind. And how the nature of our mind is, is like the sky in that it is, uh, as you are right now, in spite of what you may think, your mind has no limits. It has no color. It has no shape. It has no height. It has no depth. It is immaculate. It is free. It is... Primordially open, empty like the sky, and it is um, it is uh, luminous. So it's sometimes described in the uh, the Tibetan Book of the Great Liberation. Uh, uh, your mind is clear, empty, not made of anything, shining, containing all experiences but not limited by them. So your own mind is, some would say, your own mind is completely free, unconditioned. Um, I don't mean your thinking mind, I'm talking about your mind essence, the nature of your mind. And that it has, um, that is deathless, it's um, unshakable. And that it's the very the very nature of the mind through which you are now perceiving. And it's really good news. It's really good news. But sometimes when people hear this, my mind your, my mind is like the sky. That doesn't sound very warm and cozy. But it is precisely the effect of you could say unfurling your mind letting it be open letting it be free of any kind of grasping any kind of condemning any kind of idea about yourself as an effect of that of that kind of openness that kind of one is there is a recognition that the that whatever it is that that you're experiencing is untouched I mean that whatever that whatever that is, which is experienced, is untouched by whatever goes through your mind, whatever happens. So that's one thing that's realized. Another is that when your mind, when you when you are, you could say aware of that and realizing that innate sometimes it's called voidness emptiness when you are realizing that voidness you see that there is ultimately no inside and no outside that there is there is really ultimately no separation between anything from a in a, in our direct experience and it is only through the filter of our thinking and its tendency to divide everything into me and you us and them all the different dualities high low hot cold all the different ways that we our mind habitually compares and distinguishes which is a in some cases is a very useful function but to the degree that we live in that world of concepts the world is is forever divided. As one teacher put it in the, the Third Zen Patriarch, make the slightest distinction, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. And so he, he says, um, don't, um, don't try to be free. Just stop, cease to cherish your opinions. Stop holding on, because freedom is the natural state of your mind. So the more that, you're, that you realize that your mind is naturally open, there is a, a sense that you are not so apart from everything that fills your awareness. So you may think of yourself, you may have come in this room tonight and said, I'm in this room, I'm all alone in this room with a bunch of people, and that's our conventional understanding. I'm in this room, I don't really like groups. No, I do like groups. Or I, I don't really want to be... Whatever it is, our little internal dialogue is recreating in that moment the, moment, the, the sense of being a small person in a big room. Because of our, our deepest identification, that which we tend to think is me and mine, is this what the Buddha called this fathom-long body. So because of this identity with the body, we fail to recognize that it may be somewhat dependent on the body, but our mind doesn't, isn't at all bound by the body. It's not limited to the body. But don't believe anything I say. This is all about direct experience. It's not something to to really debate about. It's something to keep inquiring in your own experience. So you may have come in this room thinking, I'm I'm, I'm in this room, and, and then all of a sudden you stopped, and I invited you to stop and just feel, use the anchor of the sitting body to orient you to the the immediacy of the of what we call the present moment even though there isn't a present moment how do you like that and i say C- come tune into what's happening now there's really not a now either that's just another idea but nevertheless we use these words and we we start to feel the sensations and when we feel the sensations, we start with saying, oh yeah, that's my body, all right. Of course, it's not somebody else's body, it's my body. But that's still in the realm of concepts. But if we just drop below the concept of my body, your body, a bunch of bodies here, we feel just this field of sensations. And that field of sensations, from, a, from the perspective of open awareness, are just like points of feeling. Or stars in the sky. There's really no body there. There's just sensation. Can you relate to what I'm saying? Just sensation. But our normal sense is, I'm sitting in this big room and in my body, and that's conventionally true. But when we start to taste this sense of sensation, sense of stepping out of the concepts of past, future, and present, and just feel life. There is a kind of melting away of that whole conceptual framework, and all of a sudden, everything and everyone is, is in my mind. That where I, where I thought I stopped and the world began just melts away. And so it, it, we can, you don't need to fixate on either side of the, the coin, but as a way of experimenting, as a way of beginning to realize the way that we are usually live in a very narrow world of, of a kind of habitual uh, conceptual overlay on things, it's helpful to drop it and to just for a moment experiment with the other side. The sense of this room being in you instead of you being in this room. So try it. Just look around, see everything that you see, everything that you hear, all the feelings that are happening in this body and whatever you pick up energetically, it's all within the, the, the space of your own mind. Now interestingly enough, I started to say that, the great, that one of the great benefits is that you feel more free. You don't feel as bound up as though this, with this fixed idea, that my mind is stuck between my ears, and it's just noodling around, and and uh, and I'm and I'm really stuck in there, as though there is somebody in there who's stuck. We've never seen the one in there that's stuck. We just, you know, there's lots of thoughts, but we re- we forget that there is just vast, empty, open space for the, our, everything to play in. We're never we never are lacking space. That's just an idea. And then it's a feeling that goes with that idea of being constricted, being bound up, being being tormented by the by the lack of space. So those of you who have space issues, you can utilize this amazing capacity to be skylike. But the perhaps the deepest benefit of realizing the sky-like nature of your heart and mind, is that your mind is not the sky. It is not just a blank nothing. It is when we are opened, what flows naturally, when we realize that we don't, that nothing is outside of me, what flows quite naturally is a sense of kinship, is a sense of connection. What flows when our mind is open is an open heart. Is love, is compassion, is joy, the heart qualities. What also flows when our mind is open is intelligence, discernment, intuition. We are we our eyes are open, so we understand. I understand the context that I'm in right now, the context I'm serving in this function right now. I'm. I'm able to more clearly perceive what's going on and what the appropriate way of being in this atmosphere is. I don't have to be somebody to do that. I simply have to be open. I have to let I have to unfurl my mind, let it be sky-like, and then quite naturally I at least what happens for me and it's happening again tonight. What happens is I start to look around the room, the everyone here, you're all in me. And I start to feel uh, I start to fall in love, I start to say, "Wow, look at us here we're we're this We're living in this magical, this wonderful mystery there's not There's not one of us that's not touching the other, right exactly where we are. We don't even have to do anything to make contact. We simply have to." Let our mind step out of its, its, its house building, its ego building for a moment, and see that we are so deeply intimate in this magical, unexplainable mystery called life. Right? Exactly who we are, where we are. Nothing about us in this moment needs to solve the big issue of our life, None of us needs to be different than the way we are. Better, none of us is better than, none of us is less than, we're, nobody is equal to anybody. We are just together in a in a strangeness, but really it's just love. It's just home. Now you may not be able to get here for, for this kind of shift in per, perception, but you might just consider that when your mind is narrow when you're when you do are under that fixation that your mind is stuck between your ears and you're thinking about your sit, your life situation your problems your past your future you will you're likely to notice that your heart's not flowing so well and not a lot of love flowing there You're likely to notice that if there's anything flowing, you're you're likely to feel a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of sadness, a lot of frustration, a lot of sense that somehow I've gotten—I'm the one wave that's gotten separated from the ocean. I'm—I've got to figure out how to get back home. This whole life is going—is I'm searching, and I'm really big. I'm—I am the—I'm the seeker, and I'm going to—I've got to figure out how I can find what I'm looking for. Now that's what goes through our mind, but the moment we so that that really blocks love that really blocks that that natural flow that 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 all those what are called brahma viharas all those uh those um I want to say they're called the heavenly abodes but the immeasurable qualities that are just in each of us it's just not it's not just in a few it's not just in buddha's it's not just in christ it's not it's in everybody it's the same thing it's and it's a function of where we place our attention the line i use so much of the buddha he says whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of our mind you frequently dwell upon the open-heartedness the sky-like nature of your mind you will inevitably feel more of a connection. You will feel less lost in this world. You will feel less struggle. And the only way to evidence that is to see what happens right now. When you don't look back, you don't look ahead, don't make yourself into somebody for a moment, and just be open. It's very user-friendly. Take, instead of the usual voice in my mind that says, I'm lacking, let's just Let's unwind that back and take those three words, I'm lacking, which is kind of the chronic view. I'm lacking. Let's remove the lacking. And then let's stay with I am. Then remove the am. Let's stay with I. And then for the sake of our conversation, let's remove the I. And just see for yourself free of the view of yourself. See if the same measure of suffering is happening now as was when you were that small idea of yourself. See if you may get a glimpse of feeling more at home, more enough. So to to open in this way, it means that we, it means that we uh, are able to be touched. We are able to be incredibly, I said raw, wide open raw. It means being vulnerable. I was speaking to my wife this evening, who many of you have been hearing about over the last two and a half months. Uh, she's had a very severe uh, disc herniation and slow convalescence. And in the process, she has realized the the unreliability of a and the insecurity inherent in being in being in our bodies. They don't cooperate so well, and it's and that that insecurity that is just part of the nature of our bodies. It has it's made her less. Um, Less able to rely on her body, and what it's done, strangely, because she's just stayed with that process, is it's made her incredibly vulnerable and open, and feels this this kind of flow of not a flow, but she feels this sense of kinship with with all beings and all beings' vulnerability, and her, her the question that's coming up: How do you? How do you? How can you be this vulnerable in the world where there's a lot of, lot of, terrible things? And my my intuition tells me that you become you become passionate about that openness. That you let yourself be. It doesn't mean. As my, one of my teachers, Anagarika Munindra said, the idea is to be simple, not a simpleton. It doesn't mean you go put yourself in every dangerous environment, but you, as much as you can, you open to the pain of the world, you open to the joy of the world, you let it in, you let yourself be ripped open. Like that poem from Hafiz, where he said, it's called Absolutely Clear. He says, don't surrender your loneliness so quickly. Let it cut more deep. Let it season and ferment you as few divine or human or even divine invi- ingredients can. Something missing in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need of an embrace of the divine absolutely clear. So we let ourselves be touched. And then, interestingly enough, I was, I, I was having this thought about the, being passionate about being open, open-hearted, sky-like openness, you can use whatever metaphor you want. You can say, let, be like an ocean, a, a, a giant ocean of love. You know, whatever you want to think about it. Forget the thoughts, just the experience, the openness. But I was thinking about this, and then I got a, a call from my friend who is about to get a new dog. Uh, and the new, new dog's name is Tashi. Tasha is a very sweet name. And my friend was a little bit scared about taking on this dog. Because, and what, what he was thinking about was the commitment, all the difficulties that come. And, and I said, what about the love? Let, that dog will tear your heart open. That, that flow of love, that, that being that's there for you to feel connected to and feel their vulnerability and feel their dependency, all that all that kind of connection rips you open. And if you're not open that way, we are literally like walking corpses. And we don't want to be walking corpses. We want to, we want to feel connected. There's nothing that gives us more of a sense of belonging than being open, and connected. Not stupid, but open and connected. So, if you don't have a dog, get one. <laughs> <laughs> if, you avoid, if you avoid looking at, hearing about painful things, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, how can I say this? Don't make a religion out of it, but turn toward it. Let it in. Let it cut. So unfurl your heart. In the, in, the, uh, in the Sanskrit, the word for heart and mind are the same. And one of my teachers, a meditation teacher named Krishna, this wonderful woman from Calcutta who, who did not have, she was quite poor and did not have the luxury of being able to go off to meditation centers, But she was so passionate about being open to life and reality that she used as her anchor to the present moment that tool that she used to step out of time. This is kind of paradox. It's kind of ironic, but what she used to just step into reality was a clock under her a clock under her pillow that she listened to moment by moment until her mind arrived at that single point. That single point being that point that connects with everything. That was one of her practices. The other one was uh, was mindfully washing dishes. And the pro- the effect of doing that kind of immediacy practice, her heart opened and she became quite a realized being. But she, the reason I'm talking about her is that she gave me instruction when I went to her in a in a Really freaked out place after a breakup in the in the uh, early nineteen eighties, and she made this gesture to me. She put her hand, she took her hand, and put it on her heart, and she said, "Guard your mind," just like this. Which to me meant just be with what you're experiencing, and mind and heart are the same. So tonight I'm talking about unfurling your mind or unfurling your heart, Um, but you can you can work. Sometimes it's just guard your heart, not guard it, keep it keep it away from things. It means bring your attention there, bring your attention to that that felt experience of connection with life right where you are, and be free. No one has ever gotten bound by, by feeling because feelings come and feelings go. But without feeling, if we don't feel, then we, we often feel quite separate. So if you feel, it actually opens the door to that, that, um, that vastness. This is what Noshokan Rinpoche said about the nature of our heart and mind. Profound and tranquil, free from complexity uncompounded, luminous clarity beyond the mind of conceptual ideas. This is the depth of mind of the Buddhists. In this, there's not a thing to be removed, nor anything needs to be added. It is merely the immaculate looking naturally at itself. So the key is... Not to fall into the case of mistaken, one of the keys is not to fall into a case of mistaken identity. A thought of yourself, a thought of your situation is not yourself and is not your true situation. Your true situation is that you're here right now. Your true nature is that you are awake. You are not definable in the in reality, in the immediate present, by your gender, by your sexual orientation, by your politics, by your history. You are fundamentally, just as he said, profound and tranquil. Free of complexity. So as Hafiz always says in a, a funny way, the ecstatic poet, he says, learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure, thinking you're somebody, thinking you're separate, thinking you're something. He says, learn to recognize the counterfeit coins, the false ideas. Stop taking refuge in false ideas. He didn't say that, but he continues learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that'll give you a, a sense of pleasure, a momentary sense of pleasure. But then he says, then, it'll, then you'll be dragged for days on end like a broken man behind a farting camel. <laughs> we'll get you, we get all bound up. We lose, we lose a sense of, of the wonder and openness. You probably have considerations going on in your mind right now. Oh, it's easy for him to say. He's sitting there and he's meditating tonight. What happens when he... Whatever it is, some buts, some but may come into your mind. And but is of the past. No buts. As soon as your mind goes but, that means you're... You're holding on to some idea, view, memory. Just let it all go for a moment. No buts. It's so interesting when I let go of buts. <laughs> <laughs> know, for some reason, I'm just, I must be a Sufi. <laughs> because Hafiz always comes on, into my mind. He says, what, to, what do people who are sad have in common? They have all built a shrine to the past and often go there to do a strange wail and worship. What's the beginning of happiness? It's to stop being so religious like that. And I I wrote another verse to that. What do people who are anxious have in common? They've all built a shrine to the future and often go there to do a strange wail and worry. What's the beginning of happiness? So to stop being so religious like that. So as Patro Rinpoche, a great Tibetan teacher, said, don't prolong the past. Don't invite the future. Don't alter your innate wakefulness. Don't fear appearances. Apart from that, there's not a damn thing. Don't prolong the past. Don't invite the future. Don't fear appearances. Apart from that, there's not a damn thing. So any comments, questions in the last few minutes? Please. Please. Don't fear appearances. That means that you're, you will have many, many things that come into your life. It's partly a, a general uh, recommendation, in the, the question was, what does fear appearances mean? Don't fear appearances. In the Tibetan tradition, one of the the general recommendations is that you experience, you see the world as, as dreamlike, as a magic show, as a magical display, and and not as substantial as we usually think it is. And because we think of it as so real, we tend to suffer a lot more about the the changing conditions of our, of our mind, the changing conditions of our life. So don't fear appearances mean just let the whole game in. And that means all the different parts of you. All the, all the greedy things, let it come. All the hatred, all the confusion you let it come and you see that none of it's, none of it's you. None of it is really substantial. And that's a, it's a practice idea. You don't want to take it too absolute. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself in situations that are actually dangerous. But appearances are more about the way things that come into your mind. Anyone else? I don't know about you but I feel kind of stoned. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to be stoned. It's really our natural state. And we only call it stoned because we because it's it's sometimes different than our ordinary state of confusion, just to be open. David, please. You were talking about flipping your, your worldview sort of inside out. Yes. And everything be existing in your mind. I find that when I, when I do that, when I hear things or hear you talk or hear sounds, they're happening already inside my mind, and I don't have to echo them again. You don't have to. I don't to. have to think about them again because they, they happen there first. Beautiful. He says that when when he flips things and sees everything within his own mind, then when he hears what I say, or you hear things, then you don't have to, to. what was the word you used? I don't have to echo them. You don't have to echo them again in your mind. They just go right in. Yeah, and that's what open-heartedness is. That's what open-mindedness is. Thank you. I appreciate that description. Okay, well, I think that... Um, but that's all the time we have for tonight. I appreciate you listening to my rantings. It was fun. <laughs> and I, I hope that you all remain uh, open to your heart and open to your true nature. Open to your confusion. Let it all be a part of the nature of your mind. It's not outside your mind. Even all the thoughts, let them all be part of that. And uh, thank you for your presence here. Thanks for your generosity. And next week, uh, I will not be here, but Yvonne Ginsberg, who's been my number one substitute for almost 20 years now, will be here, and she's awesome. Amazing uh, storyteller, activist, brilliant. I think you'll really enjoy her. So she'll be here next week. So come support each other, support her, be generous, and have a good time. Thank you.